With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply, not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. It's the Larry Kudlow Show. Free market prosperity starts here. Now, here's Larry Kudlow. And Larry has a well-deserved day off today. This is Joe Concha filling in for Mr. Kudlow. Who the hell am I? What am I doing on this radio station? Well, I'm a Fox News contributor. Go on Larry's Fox Business Show on a weekly basis. Also, you'll see me all over Fox News Anywhere from Fox and Friends first in the morning, which is really fun getting up at 4 a.m. in the morning to Hannity at night, even Fox News at night, the midnight show. So turn on Fox. There's a one in three chance I will probably be a contributor and analyst on there. Also, I'm a media and politics columnist for The Hill. That's a wonderful newspaper based out of Washington, D.C. And I'm a best-selling author. Who saw that coming? My first book, Come On, Man. The truth about Joe Biden's terrible, horrible, no good, very bad presidency, uh, that went to number two, I believe, Amazon, way back when in October. So uh, keep him busy. And when Larry said, can you fill in, that's that's not an invitation you turn down, all right, because this is the great WABC. I've listened to it my whole life, grew up in Jersey, and it's just cool to be here. Someplace I'm not is Miami. That would be nice. I think it's like 75, sunny there right about now. But who is there is Don Lemon, the anchor. I'm doing scare quotes if, you, if you're uh, playing along at home. Scare quotes are on the anchor part over at CNN. Now, Don has been there for many years, and he actually had a primetime show at night that was the lowest rated show in major cable news. Major cable news being Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, the ones that have been around for a while. So... CNN's new president, this guy Chris Licht, who is immensely qualified for this job. I mean, after all, he was the showrunner for Stephen Colbert. So who else to choose? Who else could be better to run an international news organization than the Colbert guy? But anyway, uh, his first big decision was, okay, I have to revamp the morning show, which is always in last place. So why don't we take the lowest rated guy in primetime, Don Lemon, and give him more airtime by moving him to mornings? Now, Lemon has what one would describe as a massive ego. He's like the Michael Avenatti of CNN, all right? So to take him off a solo show in primetime and put him on in mornings where he has to share the stage with two women, well, it hasn't been going too well. Let's put it that way. And ratings have actually even somehow went lower, which is almost impossible to do, but they have found a way. And now Lemon is in hot water, literally probably in South Beach, but also figuratively in terms of many people want him fired. Because as you may have heard this week, he said that a woman can only be in their prime south of 50 years old. In other words, when you're in your 20s, you're in your 30s, you're in your 40s, that's the prime of your life. After that, you know, you're on the back nine, you might as well just mail it in and just go play croquet somewhere. And for this guy to say this on national television and not understand that, that's probably going to be insulting to basically every woman watching and even some guys, too, who may have wives in their 50s or 60s and see they're doing just fine. Uh, it's a whole ball of wrong. And the reason why he brought this up is because he was talking about Nikki Haley. 
Haley announced that she's running for president this week. So now you have two official candidates in the race, Trump and Haley, and we're going to talk about that whole race in a moment. And what he was trying to say was that Nikki Haley shouldn't even consider running for president because she's not in her prime anymore. It's funny how Lemon has never said that about, you know, Joe Biden, who's 80, or Kamala Harris, who, when she ran for president back in 2019, was actually older than Nikki Haley is at this point. And Lemon said it was historic and a great day for America. That was fine. Kamala in her prime in the 50s because there's a D next to her name. Nikki, because there's an R next to her name. Just hang it up already. All right. You're hanging around too long. Unbelievable. So (laughs) yesterday... When you tune into this show, I was one of the the few, along with some friends and relatives, I suppose. At the top of the show, uh, we don't see Don. And Caitlin Collins, who is one of his co-anchors, Caitlin Collins, obviously, is a girl that Don Lemon made cry just a couple weeks ago because he kept mansplaining to her and interrupting her uh, during the show because, again, he can't share a stage. She just says, up, Don's off today. Well, isn't that nice? I mean, sign me up for this job. You insult every woman over 50 on national television, and you get rewarded with a four-day weekend at South Beach. And that's where Don Lemon is at this hour. The New York Post has pictures all over the place. He could look happier. He's down there with his boyfriend, got a drink in his hand, going swimming. You know, nothing wrong in Lemon World. But but a few things to unpack here. Nikki Haley just got one of the best campaign ads a candidate could, could ever possibly receive, right? And her responses have been good. She's not acting outraged. She's mocking the whole thing. Uh, and, and that's, that's the way you go about this, right? And he says, I always, she says, I always make the liberals heads explode. So she got a lot of free press right out of the gate for her campaign. Now, all that said, Lemon apologized to CNN staffers on Friday morning. And he didn't do it in person, of course. He was already at South Beach. <laughs> They're on South Beach. So it's funny because he says, you know, when I make a mistake, I own it. And he owned it by phoning it in for 90 seconds. And if you read the post today, uh, nobody's buying the apology. And, and that's the thing, by the way. He didn't apologize because he felt remorse. You watch that clip, and Don Le- Lemon, he, he meant every word that he said. He apologized because he was told to by his bosses. And it makes you wonder, right, where was this master class in misogyny from Don Lemon when Hillary Clinton announced that she was in her 70s, or Elizabeth Warren when she was in her 60s, or Kamala, like we mentioned. So either way, here's the best part about this. Don Lemon is 56 years old. (laughs) He's older than Nikki Haley. Uh, And and you could say that he's past his prime, but the problem is, as Rocky once said, uh, you know, Don Lemon never had a prime to begin with. So you, you get the feeling this guy is trying to get himself fired at this point. As I said, the show is a hot mess inside a dumpster fire. They can't even get, when they go on the air at 6 o'clock in the morning, 300,000 viewers. Now, think about what 300,000 viewers means in terms of it's a national show. That means you're getting about 6,000 viewers on average per state. (laughs) CNN's like in 100 million homes. Like You'd have to accidentally watch it in order to get that number higher. I mean, it's just remarkable. Just for context, Fox & Friends. Uh, gets something like 1.4, 1.5, 1.8 million uh, viewers. So quadruple or whatever is higher than quadruple Fox is doing on CNN at this point as far as that competition, except you really can't call it competition. But either way, change or changes need to be made. Uh, Many calling for Lemon to be fired. Uh, If this was the Yankees and Steinbrenner was running things, I could guarantee you he'd already be out the door along with the new president, along with anybody who's in management who made this decision. And you know what? I say keep Don Lemon. 
only put him on New Year's Eve. That's literally the only time that he can attract an audience because he gets drunk. So he's some other version of Don Lemon. And I guess maybe that's the answer here. Just some eggs and kegs and, and get the guy a little south before the show and, and, and roll the dice and take your chances. So good luck to Don Lemon. Good luck to CNN. Uh, it couldn't be going worse if they actually tried. Now, back to Nikki Haley. All right, she is immensely qualified. Successful governor, South Carolina, very likable. Uh, even her critics would say that she was a solid U.S. ambassador to the U.N. But if you're looking for a path here, it's hard to find one for Nikki Haley, right? Because Senator Tim Scott, also South Carolina, also a person of color, will also likely announce that he's running soon. And then you have the specter of the most successful governor in the country, that being Ron DeSantis of Florida, will also likely be a challenger. And then, of course, the elephant in the room, Donald Trump, got 74 million votes in 2020. So all those things she's going to have to negotiate and get by. And you, you get the you get the feeling that Nikki Haley isn't so much running for president. She's running to be chosen as the number two, the, the vice president on a ticket. And it makes sense because as far as females running at this point, I don't really see anybody else who may be stepping in outside of Liz Cheney, and that's a, a non-starter. Uh, and Christy Nome maybe, perhaps, but we'll see. But either way... Uh, if you're looking for a male-female ticket, uh, one that obviously with Haley and DeSantis, that would be something that would be uh, quite compelling, right, because you have two successful governors, uh, two people that are, yes, in their prime, with Haley being 51 years old and DeSantis, I believe, is 45. So if you're in that in that corner of, yeah, we need to turn the page, we need to go to a new generation, uh, younger leaders, people that win, then maybe that's your ticket, or DeSantis Scott, or DeSantis Pompeo, however you want to draw that up. Uh, If you say, nope, uh, Donald Trump has unfinished business, Uh, all the policies that DeSantis has embraced are Trump policies, and I'd rather have Trump uh, in the Oval Office again because we know he could be tough on China. We know that he could handle the pressures of the media. And this is a guy uh, who, quite frankly, should be president right now. If, if you're in that, that corner, then, then you stay with Trump. And, and Trump supporters, uh, the ones I talk to, uh, are the most loyal I've ever seen for any politician uh, in, in my, you know, prime years in this <laughs> this earth i don't want to reveal the age but but the point is that it's going to be a very interesting race right because ultimately you got to think this thing comes down to trump and desantis and when you see polls of them head to head a majority show desantis slightly ahead of trump things change however once you throw in nikki haley tim scott mike pompeo mike pence because once that pie starts to get split up right, the let's move on from Trump pie, then Trump takes the lead and he takes it quite decisively. So the GOP, they can either go down the road they did in 2016, where you had Kasich staying in until late April of 2016. You had Cruz staying in for a long time. You had several people staying there, which allowed Trump to get to the nomination. He was a runaway freight train at that point. But if if candidates stay in for a long time in this race, the better that is for Trump. If they do what Democrats did, they being the GOP, if they do what we saw from the Democratic Party in 2020, where Joe Biden loses Iowa, he loses New Hampshire, he's in big trouble, and then out of nowhere, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klopachar and everybody else, Elizabeth Warren, they all drop out, and that gives Joe Biden a clear path to the nomination because all he had to do was beat 
old Bernie Sanders, right? The guy who literally has declared that he's a socialist. And even Joe Biden can do that. So uh, that's that. So either it's a clear DeSantis-Trump race, which, you know, that that's you flip a coin, right? Or Trump versus the field, Trump wins going away. But the good news is that we get to talk about this for a long time because I think Election Day is still something like 700 days away. <laughs> it's remarkable. But if you're looking at first votes, Iowa, that's about a year away. So imagine this. We're already talking about the 2024 election, and we're a year away from anybody actually casting any votes. It's, it's, it's utterly remarkable. Hey, let, let's, let's talk about current events right now, things that are happening in this country. And, and one thing is just it's horrifying, and that's what's happening in Ohio and East uh, Palestine, where, you know, we have this 50-train pileup, and the problem is there are four cancer-causing chemicals being released into the air and into the water. And people to this day now, this happened two weeks ago, are, are saying that they feel nauseous, they have headaches, they, they feel sickness, uh, they don't trust the air, and they don't trust the water. Now, the EPA has gone there, and they keep insisting, and they have for days, that, nope, everything is fine. But then why are people getting sick, right? Why did animals die, whether it be uh, the, the family cat or, or chickens, poultry? Uh, why did all these things happen? And it, it, those types of things just don't go away. And, and where is the transportation secretary, by the way, right? I mean, this guy didn't say anything about this for 10 days. And then finally, when he does, of course, he tweets out about it. Well, I'm very concerned about what's happening there. Then get on a plane and go. Ride your bike out there. Leaders, whenever there's a national disaster, you go to the disaster site, you assess the damage, and you say, okay, we need resources for this and this. And this guy can't be bothered to do that. The guy in Pete Buttigieg who took two months of maternity leave during the supply chain crisis and didn't bother to tell anybody about it and then defended it afterwards. I have every right. No, don't work as a senior cabinet member if you want to take off two months for maternity leave. And at last check, you didn't have the kid, nor did your husband. So it's not like there's a recovery time here. Unbelievable. So between the supply chain crisis, baby formula shortage, commercial airline disasters, think about what happened over the holidays. Millions of people stranded. People spent Christmas Day sleeping on a floor in an airport. And this guy can't be bothered to ever get up and do anything. And then I got to hear if Joe Biden doesn't run, then he's the front runner. Pete Buttigieg, the guy who couldn't fix potholes. And little South Bend, Indiana is going to run the country. You certainly can't run the transportation department. That the hell's for sure. So that's the Democratic options, by the way. You either have Joe Biden, who, if he wins, will be 86 years old, but he's in the Oval Office. Or you have Pete Buttigieg, who's barely 40 years old, who, again, shouldn't even be running for senior class president. Oh, and then your third option is Kamala Harris. The, the, the borders are, and we all know how things are going there. And she can't even communicate a sentence. It's utterly totally remarkable. Anyway, we're off to a fine start here in the Cudlow Show. Joe Contra in for Larry Cudlow on 77 WABC. Back with more in just a moment. Now, back to the Larry Cudlow Show. Joe Contra in for Larry Cudlow on the Red Apple Audio Network on this fine Saturday. Hey, just celebrated a birthday. I got to admit, that was two days ago. I got a whole bunch of people. They write me on Facebook, and they say, Happy Birthday, Joe, with an exclamation point. And you just can't tell. Are they cutting and pasting it? And they do this with people like every day when it gives you the reminder that it's somebody's birthday. Do I respond personally, 
Or do I just write like a generic note saying, thanks to everybody for all the well wishes, which everybody does. But if I have to respond, I'll be like Ringo Starr. Remember Ringo used to get letters and he'd respond to every one, which has to take a lot of time. So either I'm carving out like three or four hours to write a, like a personal response back to these folks, or I just do the generic thing, or I just blow it off altogether and just be like an elitist D-list cable news celebrity that I am, I guess. I don't know. Weighing some options right now. Anyway, speaking of options, so I, I ran into uh, a friend uh, recently. And he was in from Florida, and he lived here in New Jersey his whole life, and he became a police officer. But then about a year or two ago, he decided to pick up and, and move to Florida. Smart guy. And he was old enough to collect his pension, but he wants to continue to work because it's all he's ever known, basically, since he's been 21 years old. And I said, so why, why are you still working? Why don't you just collect your pension or go work in private security or something like that? He goes, no. He goes, I, I went to Florida, and I'm working as a police officer there now, and the bonuses that I got to come and just the atmosphere there in terms of the way people truly respect police officers. He goes, most people did in Jersey, but you, you got you got some folks that, you know, Black Lives Matter type of supporting people that, that would call you a racist without even knowing your name or who you are or, or anything you've ever done in terms of protecting them. And And – I said, are a lot of people doing that out of here? And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, most of the people, it seems, that are moving to Florida and working there as police officers after they're a police officer somewhere else uh, come from New York, New York and New Jersey. And so then I decided to dig into the numbers for a little bit, and it's really remarkable. There were 4,000-plus resignations of NYPD officers last year. I mean, that's incredible. It's the highest number ever. And the reason why is because under Bill de Blasio for all those years and extending into Eric Adams, they feel disrespected. They feel overworked. They feel underappreciated and underpaid. So they said, all right, screw it. I'll go somewhere warmer, get paid more, and get more respect. Overall now, you look at the result here. Florida has hired more than 1,000 officers since last summer. That's incredible. That's since last July. So we're talking, what, seven months, and they've added 1,000 officers to their payrolls. And then we talked about Ron DeSantis earlier. And if DeSantis runs on his record and avoids getting in the mud as far as rhetorical back and forth with, with Donald Trump, like Jeb Bush tried and like Marco Rubio tried and, and Ted Cruz and so on, uh, you're going to lose if you, if you try to win that fight. Right? That, that's Trump's, Trump's dojo. Okay? But if DeSantis runs on his record and he says, you know what, I'm going to follow the Reagan rule. Thou shall not speak ill of another Republican. I'm, I'm not going to get personal with Donald Trump. I respect him. I respect his policies and so on. But here's my record. What's interesting about DeSantis is not only is he incentivizing folks to come there to work in law enforcement to make Florida even safer, he also is hiring former police officers, former military, to backfill the teacher shortage that's going on there. Now imagine this for a second. There's a teacher shortage across the country, and particularly one in Florida. And now they've hired hundreds of new teachers who were former police officers and former military paid for their ability to get certified, which is something like $1,000, says, okay, we're, we're going to waive that fee. And then think about the discipline you now have in classrooms, right? Police officers, former military, they're not going to mess around. You're, you're not going to be able to – this isn't the substitute teacher walking in, all right? That These are trained professionals in terms of serving the community. Now they're working in classrooms. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, that's one of the more adult – thought-out solutions that I, I can think of as far as we have a problem. I'm not going to do what Biden and Democrats do in terms of just throwing money at the problem. Let's use resources that we have, incentivize them to help us either be safer in terms of becoming police officers or making our schools better. So DeSantis has a story to tell. That, that, that's all I'm saying. And you got to like what you're seeing so far. And then Glenn Youngkin can run as well. Remember who he is. He's the governor of Virginia. Again, was never in politics before. A businessman like Trump. He goes up against 
Clinton royalty and Terry McAuliffe and beats him. Right. And, and he didn't have nearly as much money. No one gave him a chance, but he ran on issues. He ran on education. He ran on wokeness in our schools. And obviously he read also uh, ran also on covid restrictions, taxes, the things that really resonate with people. Stick to issues. Keep your eye on the ball. Stay out of the mud. And I, I think you could be very successful in politics. Anyway, this is Joe Concha in for Larry Kudlow. It is the Red Apple Audio Network coming up next. The great Carol Markovitz. New York Post. She moved from New York to Florida. She's got her story to tell. That's next. From Wall Street to the White House, this is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back to the Larry Kudlow Show. Joe Concha, Fox News contributor in for Mr. Kudlow on the Red Apple Audio Network. God willing, Carol Markovitz will be joining us in a few moments. She's from the New York Post. She is a New York transplant who moved to Florida about a year into COVID when she was tired of her kids being kept home from school, learning remotely being perpetually in mass and she said screw it i'm out of here i mean i i you gotta love the courage when, when people do that my nephew uh actually i think he's something like 25 years old he was working in a deli in lincoln park new jersey he's an excellent chef and he decided just one day i'm just gonna move to the caribbean <laughs> and he works down there at like a top restaurant now wakes up every day looking at the ocean and it's like tom cruise and cocktail just said all right him out i'll go there instead and then the kid couldn't be happier and i always wish i had that kind of courage when i was that age you know why not you don't have kids like you now know in retrospect how free you were as a young adult you know out of college and you're like okay now what do i do and i wanted to work in television but last check there's basically stations in every city throughout the country right so i could have gone anywhere and i should have gone to like san diego or san francisco uh i don't know miami just anywhere else just to experience another state, another culture, and and learn and grow that way. And I, I stayed around here instead, and I, I worked at New York One, which is a great station in Manhattan uh, that was owned by Time Warner at the time. And that was interesting because when you went – I worked in the sports department, so they would send me to postgame uh, to do interviews, for example. So Doc Gooden throws – uh, no hitter against the Mariners in 1996, and I am there to interview Doc afterwards. And that, that's kind of cool, right? And then you do a stand-up outside the stadium, uh, and then you go back and you cut your own tape and everything. You even have to set up your own camera, set up your own shot. You're a one-man crew. You can never learn anything more. So that was fun. But in the end, always kind of wished that I went elsewhere. Uh, Arizona is another place I was in recently, Scottsdale, for, for a conference. And, boy, that's a beautiful state. Uh, I've been there twice, and I can see why many people are moving there as well. That, that's more of like a California to Arizona kind of move. But they, they have Kari Lake there, who, who ran for governor, and she lost by a very thin margin uh, to Katie Hobbs. Katie Hobbs, of course, is the candidate Democrat who would not even debate Kari Lake. Can you imagine that? I mean – I've never seen that before. She's like, nope, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) And she still won. So I guess she deployed the basement strategy, the Joe Biden basement strategy, which is to say and do as little as possible uh, because you're risk adverse. And maybe maybe there's something to that, right? Because you see John Fetterman, for example, who wouldn't debate Dr. Oz until a couple of days before 
election day, but you can't even call it election day because votes were being cast five weeks before that debate happened, and no one really got to see or hear from John Fetterman, so we had no idea what the current state of his health was. We, we knew what his policy positions were, which is uh, let's let out one-third of the prison population, uh, and police are bad, and fracking's bad, and all those things. So he should have lost by 15, 20 points, but he instead decided to stay in the race, and he ends up winning by five points. And I had written at the time that this is bad. You know, when you have a stroke, there's a 25% chance of you having a second stroke. And when you're 6'8", and at one point over 400 pounds like Fetterman, then those chances go up exponentially, right? So sure enough, Fetterman has spent, now he's been in the hospital twice in the past two weeks. Last week he went, he was was in there for three days for what uh, his office says was, was for lightheadedness. And we know that's not the case. They've lied about his health conditions throughout his campaign. Why wouldn't they lie now? Because you're not held for three days if you're, if you're feeling a little bit lightheaded. And then uh, earlier this week, he was admitted to Walter Reed because he says he's suffering from depression. And and you can believe that, right? I mean, the guy was forced into this campaign by his, whether you want to say it's his wife, uh, the Democratic Party, you saw that Pennsylvania seat so crucial, but clearly he had not recovered from his stroke. He, he couldn't put together coherent sentences. Uh, you, you could just see that this is not a person who should be serving in the U.S. Senate, where he lives alone in Washington throughout the week, and then he commutes back to Pennsylvania to see his wife and three kids. Uh, it's a four-hour commute to and from. A guy that size who still clearly is suffering uh, from the effects of a massive stroke, uh, yeah, this was bound to happen. Let's bring in Carol Markowitz because I want to get her thoughts on all this. She is the author of Stolen Youth. It comes out March 7th. That's right around the corner. You can pre-order this, Carol, I would imagine, on Amazon or anywhere you buy books, correct? Good. That's right. (laughs) Hi, Joe. Hi. Good to to talk to you. I was telling your story about how you moved from New York to Florida and how you're the, one of the braver people out there because not a lot of people have the, I don't know what word I can use here, but the guts to uh, to do that. Uh, and I, I have a feeling based on all the taunting texts that you send me about how warm and nice it is there and all the pictures that you're nice enough to share uh, that it's working out for you so far. But it was mainly the education issue that drove you to Florida, correct? Well, it was mostly the response to COVID in New York and how I saw that kids were just not a priority at all. And they were constantly being put last, like in the in the opening plans, you know, that Governor Cuomo released in May 2020. Kids were barely mentioned on it and things like that. They were masked until, you know, recently, a lot of things like that. But the education thing, the crime thing, the, the, the wokeness everywhere, the conformity, all of that drove us out of New York. And it, it's unfortunate, but we're not the only ones. 36,000 New Yorkers changed their license last year from New York to Florida. It, it's a real migration happening. It truly is. And uh, we, we talked about this uh, recently on Fox where I, I wrote a, a column actually for The Hill and there's these studies out from, like, the most unlikely places, Carol, like U-Haul, National Association of Realtors. Yeah. <laughs> and they're finding that <laughs> because, you know, they have, to, they have to track this stuff for their own businesses. And the right. top three states seeing people doing a mass exodus out of those states are, let me see if you can fill in the, uh, the blanks here, three states where people are leaving the most. Go. Oh, uh, New York, California, yes. uh, New Jersey. New Jersey's four. That's good. Illinois, because of Chicago. Uh, Illinois, number oh, of three. course, of course, Illinois. So right. those are your top four. You're, you're doing great. Uh, and then what do you think are the top two states they're moving to? Well, it's going to be Florida, Texas, and probably Tennessee is third. Wow, you're good. Maybe you read my story. I am that's good, exactly right. right. <laughs> yeah. And so and, it's, I actually it's read a very... everything you write, but I knew that. <laughs> okay, good, good. Uh, so it, it's amazing that you look at the choices, and it's just so clear. You would think that you would even see a – 
more mass migration happening out of these states. I could either live in California, where my income tax is 13.3%, or I could live in New York, where it's over 10%, or I could live in New Jersey, where it's over 10%, or I could live in Florida, where it's, uh, what did Dean Wormer say in Animal House? Oh, that's right, 0.0, right? <laughs> and and just everything yeah. about it, businesses are open, schools aren't woke. It's just like, if, if the country could be like Florida, I think we'd be in a better place. Yeah, make America Florida, and the Contra family is more than welcome to make the move. I'm thinking about this. Uh, we're going to Disney at the end of March, ooh. and I know, ooh, I couldn't believe, just to get a standard room, all right, two beds, right, and a bathroom, like 700 a night. I'm like, who can afford yeah. this, you know? And right. then forget the park, forget about it. The I mean, yeah. get those fast passes or whatever they are. By the time you go through like four days of going to the various parks, it's $800 a person. I mean, right. I, and yet they're doing well because almost every hotel was sold out. So I guess maybe they're doing something right. And we're talking to Carol Markovitz. She is the author of Stolen Youth. Uh, there was a Trump uh, Truth Social post that went up around 1 a.m. last night. Uh, and he was explaining how it's fake news that he's considering the nickname for Ron DeSantis, your governor, Meatball <laughs> Ron. Uh, he's going to stay with Ron uh, DeSanctimonious instead. I'm getting the feeling that. While in 2016, Little Hands Marco and Lion Ted Cruz and particularly Low Energy Jeb were extremely effective in branding his opponents, I don't feel like that's really working right now with DeSantis. And I think DeSantis has been extremely smart and disciplined and not responding to this in any way, shape, or form. I think the one time he was asked a question about it, he says, I'm working for the people of Florida. I'm not here yeah. And not in the business of smearing other Republicans. It's basically the Reagan rule. Can he, right. if he runs, can he continue to do that? Just kind of ignore Trump, not get in the mud with him, stick to his record and issues, and and win that way? Well, it's going to be tough because primaries are generally kind of they get they get messy. Um, but he, I think he's doing the exact right thing right now. It is way too early to get in that mud. Um, and as the nickname thing, it's just not landing because. The, the country has gotten to know Ron DeSantis over the last few years. There's a reason that this migration to Florida was happening, and that was because of Ron DeSantis' policies. It wasn't an accident. Um, so the, the hits against him, like one of the recent you know, Trump world hits against DeSantis was that he locked down in Florida. And it's like, are you serious? Everybody knows that Florida opened so early and that they got targeted for this, even though it was the exact right thing to do, that kids went back to school in September 2020. Um, and that wasn't the case, you know, in so many places across the country, including in red states. So th the attacks on him are just not landing. Meatball Ron, I mean, come on. I, actually, it's actually better than the sanctimonious, which I had to Google what exactly sanctimonious meant. So, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I feel like that it really doesn't land. Um, and it's unfortunate. It really is because you have this race that we know is going to happen or we think is going to happen if DeSantis gets in. But for it to happen this early is so divisive. And we already have so many problems on the right. But infighting is just an ongoing issue for us. We just the left does not attack itself the way that we attack ourselves. And it's just too bad. Yeah, uh, and and we're talking to Carol Markovitz. You know, Trump the week before had implied that Ron DeSantis actually was a groomer of teenage girls. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and I, I mean the reactions I saw to it. Yeah. They 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 would. It's weird when you look at 2016, and he said that Cruz's dad may have killed JFK. We all kind of <laughs> laughed about it, right? You're laughing yeah. now, and I I found yeah. it funny on some level. The, the things with DeSantis though, like saying things like that. 
I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem to have the same effect. Like I remember in November, he had called him an average governor, and that's when he debuted this the sanctimonious thing. And then the juxtaposition was DeSantis was doing a press conference on a hurricane that just hit Florida. <laughs> you know, so right, I think right. going after an, uh, uh, like a Jeb Bush who wasn't an active politician running a state, that was easy to do. I think it's going to be harder because yeah. DeSantis keeps doing things right. Like uh, I was just sharing a story about how you have 1,000 more police officers in Florida than you did just seven months ago uh, because they're incentivized. Yeah to work there. Do you, do you know more about that program? Well, we, so we hear about it. Um, it's amazing because it, it really is attracting the best people. And it's something that it's so obvious that states shouldn't be losing their best police officers, but Florida is, is able to pick them up. And it's all because Ron DeSantis is doing the same thing, the, that we know the police, more police is a good thing. We know that defunding police is a bad thing. It's just, it's the obvious obvious policies that for some reason uh, other politicians across the country just are not able to emulate. I, I see him as every time there's an obvious problem, he has the obvious solution. And it's powerful. It, it's really powerful to watch. Every time he comes up with a new um, policy or plan, it's always so well thought out and so detailed. It's just it's not like the politicians that I'm used to. And it's been amazing. I mean, I, I lived in a blue state my whole life. Um, we had some good leadership at different times. You know, we had Giuliani in New York City. We had Mike Bloomberg. Um, Pataki wasn't the worst. But I've never had leadership that responded to what the people need the way that Ron DeSantis responds to Floridians. And we're talking to Carol Markovich. She is the author of Stolen Youth. Uh, I have to prepare you for something, Okay. I, I will uh -oh. predict right now, all right, on this syndicated radio show being heard throughout the country, uh, filling it for the great Larry Kudlow, obviously a big audience, that your book will land on most bestseller lists. All right, that wow. that is my that is my prediction. Oh yeah, no, look, you, that, that this is this is a topic that is hot, right? And and obviously, uh, you'll you'll be on Fox to to promote it, and that that's a big help. But the New York Times may shun you. I have a feeling. Yeah. And the reason reason right. why I know this is because. <laughs> <laughs> my book was on every bestseller list except for one, the New York Times, right? right? And and my publisher said, it's impossible you're not on there because there's two other books on that list that we published, and we see the numbers right in front of us, and you doubled both <laughs> of those, and they still kept you off. And so then right. I thought about complaining about it. Like, I laugh about it now, but if I complained about it, I would look like a sore loser or something like that. Uh, and it I turned out that I... – what's that? Yeah. Well, no, no, I, I, I think you should complain about it. I, I think, you know, I think it's ridiculous. Like that list is a bunch of nonsense. I, you know, I'd like to get on it only to sell more books and to have our message reach more people. But I, it's absolute nonsense that it doesn't go by how many books are sold. It goes by how many books are sold. And also we like the person or we like the topic. And, <laughs> right. you know, it, it's just it's, it's a bunch of nonsense. And you should complain. I should. So how's this? 1983, the, the author of The Exorcist, right? I, f I forget his name, so excuse me uh, to, to, to that particular author. Uh, but he didn't make the New York Times bestseller list, but he was number one in, like, Publishers Weekly and, 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 and yeah. another list that was out. Uh, so then he sued them. And they had to admit in open yeah. court that it's not really about the numbers. It is an editorial <laughs> decision. It's like, aha, it's not a baseball score you're getting. Like, hey, the Yankees won 10-5, but we really thought the other team played better. So <laughs> I, I'm just saying, just be, be prepared uh, for that particular moment. Uh, and we, we got to go in about uh, 30 seconds or so. But I want to get your prediction around Joe Biden. Do you think he runs again? And if he doesn't run, who is the nominee? I think he runs again. I, I've been open about this. Uh, the, the Democrats did not have anybody 
in 2000, I'm sorry, in 2020, and they don't have anybody in 2024. And, and nothing has changed since then. They can't fill in somebody else. If it's not Biden, it has to be Kamala. They definitely don't want Kamala, so it will be Joe Biden. I am in the exact boat that you are, and the reason why we know this is Ron Klain, the chief of staff, just resigned. Uh, he didn't resign. He moved over to run the campaign. Right. So it's, it's clear that yeah. he's going to run. And if you look at his work schedule now, you say, well, how can he be president at six years old? Well, he barely – so, you know, maybe he can <laughs> run. He won't, doesn't have to campaign. We saw that also. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in That's the same right. boat as you. The book is Stolen Youth. She is Carol Markovitz, who joined us. Uh, I contacted her this morning, to be honest with you, and, and she said, only for you will I join. So go back only to your – uh, <laughs> yes, what, what, what do you have, a mimosa? Is that we have in Florida? I'm, in, for, for I'm on vacation mimosa? in Colorado, so really only for you. <laughs> Oh, wow. That's right. You, you were at that yeah. leadership conference. I, I saw you speak at it. Okay. okay. Well, enjoy the skiing, and uh, we will talk Thank again soon, you. Carol. Thanks so much. Thanks so much, Joe. And this is Joe Concha in for Larry Kudlow on the Red Apple Audio Network. Back with more in just a moment. This is the Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha in for Larry Kudlow on the Red Apple Audio Network. If you look at the New York Post today, it's so maddening, and I hate talking about COVID because I think, A, we're all completely and totally over it, and, and you think back in the year that was 2020, it was one of the most depressing things you could ever experience. I, I th- You know, I haven't lived through wars. I wasn't around for Vietnam, World War II, anything like that. Uh, 9-11, yes, of course, but, but COVID uh, – that 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 time those those first couple months particularly march april may when there were no sports on whatsoever where my kids were home all day all night they're they're doing learning it's on an ipad you could see them zoning out after about two minutes you couldn't even take them to i remember i went to just go to the playground and there was yellow police tape around it and it's like we're outdoors there's no one here why why can't we at least do that Right. And I just it was so horrible. But the way that Andrew Cuomo was propped up by our media as the anti-Trump, right, as the guy, the true leader who's going to lead us through this crisis. Well, now you read the New York Post today and, and they have new reporting saying that a U.S. Navy admiral begged the Cuomo administration to send patients to the nearly empty hospital ship that Donald Trump provided docked on the Hudson River during the height of the pandemic. But his pleas were met with politics and paranoia, according to the New York Post. With city medical facilities packed with critically ill COVID patients in the spring of 2020, remember they had uh, tents in Central Park, right? That That's how overflowing it was at that point. And just days after the infamous edict by Governor Andrew Cuomo to send COVID patients to nursing homes, remember that killed 14,000 people needlessly. It was like taking a blowtorch to, to, to dry grass, right? When you put sick, pe- sick people back in homes where you have completely and totally vulnerable people. So, so it was a great decision on that part. Uh, the Post goes on to say the Trump administration sent the USNS Comfort, a 1,000-bed ship to relieve hospitals of patients with non-COVID illnesses. Another federal facility was set up at the Javits Center. Now, if you guys have never been to New York before, the Javits Center is several, and I mean several, city blocks long. It's one of the biggest uh, buildings in the country. And that was set up to be a hospital also. But, according to the Post, both famously sat mostly empty during this time of operation, with city, state, and federal officials blaming each other for the issue at the time, and Cuomo going off on Trump saying he's not giving him enough to handle the problem. Right. But in a trove of recently unearthed government emails obtained by activist Peter Aberney and provided to the New York Post, a frustrated vice admiral, admiral, excuse me, Mike DeMont urged the Cuomo administration to act. 
and they did not. Here's what he said, quote, we could use some help from your office. The governor asked us to permit use of USNS comfort to treat patients without regard to their COVID status, and we have done so. Right now, we only have 37 patients aboard the ship. In other words, about 1,000 beds still available, and there were only 83 at the Javits Center. So when we look back on this and all the mistakes that were made, I mean, it is just maddening when you have to read documents like this now. And, oh, by the way, it decided a presidential election. I mean, that, that's, that's painfully obvious that let's say COVID did not exist and 2020 was a normal year. Donald Trump has a roaring economy, right? He has unemployment at a 50-year low. All, everything is clicking, particularly manufacturing jobs coming back to this country. The border is secure. We don't hear about 5 million people coming into this country over a two-year period. We don't hear about 100 people who came into this country illegally. Oh, they're on the FBI terror watch list. We don't hear about fentanyl pouring into this country, killing a record number of Americans, 100,000 per year between the ages of 18 and 49. So we have prosperity at home. We have security on our border. We weren't in any wars. Remember, Trump was very much an anti-war president outside of demolishing ISIS. So when you have peace and you have prosperity, I don't care how many mean tweets you have. I don't care about all the Trumpisms that go with Trump. He would have won going away, particularly against Joe Biden, because he wouldn't have the excuse of COVID on not campaigning. And then we would see, like we see with John Fetterman, what this version of Joe Biden is really all about. A guy who does not want to work because he's old and he's tired and his ideas around taxing people more and opening borders and supporting the teachers unions in terms of pushing a woke education. It would have been probably like George H.W. Bush versus the caucus 40 states to 10 type of thing. But COVID came along. It changed everything and nothing benefited the Democratic Party more than that illness during that particular year. Thank God this thing, I hope, is finally in our rearview mirror as far as any policies are concerned, because as we've seen, lockdowns simply didn't work. They did not matter. Well, that was fun. Thanks to Larry for having me fill in for him today. Thanks to Carol Markovitz for joining us. Her book is Stolen Youth. Go order it today. Hopefully, I'll be allowed to do this again sometime. Joe Concha saying bye-bye, everybody. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.